0: Ah, the fresh scent of pine cones is in the air. That can only mean one thing. It's time for gin. We'll talk about this staple of liquors, and maybe one of us will actually enjoy the flavor. So come in and have a drink. to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
1: I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Wow, it's like we were just listening to that music last
2: night. It's been so long since <laughs> I've talked to you guys.
1: Whole oh hours. Yes. Hours. It's not even been a full, it wasn't even a full 24. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: It's not. It's not. Jack Bauer could have tortured and gotten information from at least a dozen people by now.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> I never watched that show.
2: I he saved either. the I just country multiple the times. Character's name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so in the past 24 hours, uh anybody getting anything spectacular? Everybody over watched, their hangovers?
2: I watched all of Iron Fist.
1: Oh, so non-spoiler uh, summation, how how do you feel about it?
2: It's good. It's it's not the strongest of them but it's still it's still enjoyable
1: Hmm. okay yeah that's as long as it has its place in the. that sounds like i'm
2: underselling it but at the same time like i I got some enjoyment i just can't separate certain things i enjoy from yeah i don't i I have to get spoiler if i have to get into things that i may have had an issue with so
3: right right
0: but that's still a, a better review than we've seen about So there's been
2: a lot more hate about it than I thought there was going to be. I was like, oh,
3: hmm.
2: okay, but it's it's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine.
1: So, Casey, how is uh, how are things up in the land of founders, especially with this time of year? Yeah, this time of year I did, was able to pick up that um, bomber. Uh, actually, larger than a bomber, I think it was
4: a full liter of Founders up Ooh. here. But oh, I dude. haven't seen any more since um, they were out of the four packs. Of the KBS, right? Yeah, sorry, to, you know, With- so, sorry, KBS, not just Founders. The Founders <laughs> KBS. It
2: was a, it was a liter of all of Founders beer <laughs> poured into
4: one. It was delicious. One deliciousness, yes. Um, but yeah, so I've been kind of like poking my head around a little bit to see if I can find find some different things here or there. Um, haven't made it to a brewery this go around, but I was able to go to one of the local like watering holes world uh, world of beer that they have here, and that was a trip. Um, yesterday, I had some local stuff on on tap early on on Saint Pat's Day, and uh, at that specific store, they have like five hundred different bottles and, and drafts. Ooh. Wow. So that was a, you know, pretty pretty good selection, and only three draft handles devoted to like American style, like normal, Bud Miller Coors beer. Everything else was, you know, craft. Nice.
2: We only need three: one for Bud, one for Miller, and one for Coors. (laughs) That was
4: exactly what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Light. Miller Light. Coors Light. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) That's great. Okay, uh, Uh, I think we need to go ahead and do a couple of announcements here at the top. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess we do have announcements.
0: Oh, um, yeah, just a reminder. So we did mention that we talked, uh, we, it's been hours since we've all talked to each other. That is because we did a live video on DiamondClub.tv yesterday, uh, which was, or Sunday day of recording yesterday, uh, <laughs> Sunday. Um, and that is going to be every other Sunday, uh, at 6 PM live for the video shows, and um, our, our one was about the Guinness Brewers Project Pack. I have to keep remembering you that. You can exactly. find
2: out how we felt about that by watching the episode.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: we uh, will be on YouTube. Yes, we get the videos up on YouTube shortly after, so if you don't get to watch it live, you can check them out there. However, if you do want to come watch them live, you get the entertaining pre- and post-show, and post-show can get uh, kind of lengthy Ramble- and... Fun. <laughs> we're we're pretty pretty hammered when we get Re- into post show,
2: Rambly and slurry. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That, would, that would be how I describe <laughs> myself. Um, it's my it's my Native American name. Uh, Ram- <laughs> rambles while slurs.
1: But that's uh, six p.m. Eastern. To uh, yes, yes.
2: Um,
0: and so the next one, uh, which is going to be March twenty sixth uh, Sunday, is going to be the Stone IPA pack. So that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that one.
2: Yeah, that could be pretty. That could be pretty neat. Um, and we've but, also
1: got a schedule up on the website now. Homepage, so you, oh, yeah. yeah, on the homepage. So as soon as you go to the website, uh, if you're wondering, because it is kind of confusing, we realized unless you are, well, even if you are us, it's like, wait, <laughs> are we doing video this week? Are we doing audio? What? <laughs> yeah. What's going someone on? Someone
2: just someone just tells me what I'm supposed to do and whether I need to put a hat on or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the webcam need to be live. Nope.
1: Okay. Pants or no pants? <laughs> that,
0: yeah.
2: <that's>... Pretty much.
1: <laughs>
0: You could actually do that either way. Turns out, like, nobody's saying the it answer. could, but
2: I may have to stand up at some point, I... And if I make a sound when doing so, it switches over to me. And then you just got a <laughs> camera yeah. lined up perfectly with uh, yeah. with my giblets.
1: Gotcha. Yep. All right. And our next audio episode in two weeks, I believe we're going to be talking about uh, beers of England. So and yeah. that one, after our initial uh, research, promises to be another lengthy one. Hopefully, we don't have to break that into two, though.
2: Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll try to we'll try to edit a little harder.
0: It'll be a bit of a glossing the, the over.
2: The doc, not not the actual editing. It yeah, gets edited just fine.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. let's keep this train going and get into news. <laughs> so we just celebrated a holiday yesterday. Uh, Yay! That. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day, which everyone drinks Guinness. And it's the they most do. popular. Well, they actually have a current ad campaign going to try and make them the most popular beer in the world. But when you have a uh, pub doing this, it's hard to keep that going. A uh, Vancouver pub annoyed an entire country with a poorly poured <laughs> pint of Guinness. And yes, the picture, oh my God, it is I'm- horrific. Like I'm this. getting pretty angry right now. Really? This pint will haunt my dreams. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I'm not.
4: I'm not buying into this hype on this end. It doesn't bother me that much. It, it's. Oh. It didn't at first, but the more I look at it, the more I'm like, why?
2: You <laughs> nothing... knew.
0: Nothing... If nothing else, you feel sticky and like yeah.
2: you okay. wipe something I'll out. give you that. I'll
1: give you that. So it was a promotional. Don't that up, although uh, I
2: do keep looking over, going, "What? What is that deep fried thing over
1: in there?" I know, park? right?
0: Like deep fried pickles, maybe
1: <laughs> something like that. But it's okay. It was for a pub in Vancouver, and they did a Facebook event and tweeted this out. Uh, for it, there was a picture of an overflowing pint of Guinness next to some little fried concoction that they're going to be serving for St. Patrick's Day. And I'll get to the story here. Dan Olson, owner of Railtown Cafe in Vancouver, woke up on Tuesday morning to find his phone inundated with angry messages from the good people of Ireland. The, tar- the target of the rage, a photo of a badly poured pint of Guinness posted to the pub's Facebook page to promote its upcoming St. Patrick's Day celebrations uh quote there was some irate people up there and believe me there were some colorful comments <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that Jesus Christ was brought into brought into it on more than one occasion uh one comment actually said that Jesus wept when he saw our pint of Guinness
3: <laughs> maybe he did I don't know.
2: yeah
1: Olsen admits it was a really terrible pour <laughs> It was coming out I thought,
2: of a I thought when I saw this story in the doc, where I just saw badly poured uh, Guinness, that this was going to be
1: a different news story. Right, right. <laughs> we decided to take it a different way. Uh, it That's was good. coming out of a can. It was frothing over the tip like you'd find a Budweiser in a tailgate commercial, he said. So instead of cascading up to have a nice, proper head like a Guinness is supposed to, it was a mess.
4: Well there you go. It was coming out of the can. Even those well, nitro cans don't do well. Right, but here's
2: my question. Why post it? Yeah, redo it. Just <laughs> just hand it off to somebody, let them drink it, and then go again. Did he only have the one can of Guinness? Because
0: That's a different problem. Then you have
2: a different problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The Irish He's not
2: prepared for St. Patrick's Day.
1: <laughs> the Irish independent newspaper branded it sacrilegious. Well, the Irish Mirror said it caused Irish people everywhere to grimace in disgust.
2: Jeez. I don't...
1: Do you, this makes it seem like every Irishman
2: and woman, like, saw it at the same time and just went...
1: They were taken back. They were aghast. Uh, <gasps> we really annoyed an entire country, Olsen said. <laughs> there are all kinds of pictures of it uh, but they did redo it the picture was not representative of us we actually do know how to pour a Guinness Mm. it was was a mistake and we take full responsibility for it the Railtown Cafe is now extending a booze soaked olive branch to the citizens of Ireland anyone with a valid Irish passport who swings by the pub on St. Patrick's Day well yesterday would have gotten a free pint of nicely poured Guinness and a shot of Jameson whiskey to boot
4: Mm -hmm. Well, there you go.
2: Yeah. Again, and then they have the new picture down there where they redid it. And it looks Why not? Why not post that one for the (laughs) first time? Was it really just like, no, no, ain't got time. First take or no take?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it – oh, God. I just – it looks bad. Honestly, when I look at it, someone thought they were thinking of a bad Bud Light commercial where you have the head frothing over the top and kind of cascading down the side of the glass and not that Guinness where there's room left for the head to just start coming up to the rim. It uh, I don't know. It bothers me.
2: <laughs> yeah, the I I'm looking at the another the the reposted picture now going. Oh, feels right. Yeah, you look at that now. one, it's like
1: mm nice that, that that nice 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 nice, nice. <laughs> all right uh that's enough on that let's get into the next story here uh seems heavy seas has a new captain uh dan cotman yeah. has been tapped as ceo over at heavy seas beer uh heavy seas beer today dan announced Dan
2: copman that's a familiar name
1: it where might,
2: have, I, where it have might, I heard of him before? It
1: might be a little familiar. Uh, Heavy Seas Beer today announced that industry veteran Dan Kopman, who co-founded the St. Louis Brewery, makers of Schlafly Beer, will take over as the Baltimore Brewery's new CEO on May 1st. The announcement mm. comes just three months after Kopman because I don't know if you remember, we did cover the story of him leaving, uh, who launched Schlafly in 91 with partner Tom Schlafly said he would depart the St. Louis Brewery at the end of 2016. And I think we had a real heavy-handed uh, article that Wondering. we were going through about that as to why he may be leaving. There were uh, heavy indications that maybe they were selling out that still hasn't come to fruition. Like, we don't know. it uh, So far, it just looks like he was leaving, and then he ended up finding a job elsewhere.
2: I, I'd like to think that he went to Heavy Seas. He's become their CEO just so he can change their, their
1: their logo. Heavy Seas is an iconic Baltimore favorite and a great brand that is well positioned for future success throughout the Eastern U.S. and beyond. Kopman said via a release, uh, "The brewery has established commitment to quality and passionate culture built around both and yeah around both love for great craft beer and their community." Cotman, who joins Heavy Seas Organization as general manager, Patrick Helsel steps down and relocates to California. Will report to brewery founder Hugh Sisson. Sisson?
2: Sure. It'd be better if his name was Session. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Sisson, meanwhile, will continue to serve as full-time managing partner and play a very active role in the business, according to a company statement. Uh, with Pat leaving, we were fortunate to get someone with Dan's level of experience in the industry. Uh, Sison said in a release, he adds depth to our team and will ensure great continuity for the future development of Heavy Seas brand. Under Kotman's leadership, uh, production of Schlafly beer grew to 60,000 barrels and sales eclipsed $20 million in 2015. In 2012, Kotman and partner Tom Schlafly sold a majority stake of the brewery to Sage Capital a St. Louis-based private equity firm. So we were talking about it in the pre-show as Justin brought up. One of his first points of business needs to be changing the logo.
2: Look, Heavy Seas makes some good beer. That logo, every time I look (laughs) at it, I go, this is
1: awful. It is dog crap. It It looks like what a major, like a huge corporation yeah. thinks a craft beer logo should be. Yeah. And when we first started stumbling across Heavy Seas beers, that's what we thought. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. like, this has to be like Bev owned, like something someone just concocted in a board meeting somewhere. Because you it ha- it is terrible. You can
3: have
2: two of the four pirate things that are in this logo. Not all of them. You can pick the eye patch, the skull and crossbones, the hat I mean, the yeah, the hat, the bandana. Actually, there's five because the font for heavy seas have in, any two of those five things. There's yeah. just too much going on in that logo. Mm-hmm.
1: It's and it's all extremely cartoony. Yeah. I've,
0: <sighs> Whereas their bottle art is normally so great.
1: If, yeah, like I look down and
2: I see the bottle art and it looks amazing. It looks like someone just stuck a little cartoony sticker right on there. Yeah. It doesn't, they need, it doesn't match anything at all with what they're going for for their stuff. So. They
1: need to get with the artist that they're using for their bottle art and get them to redo their logo. Oh, yeah. Because uh, all the bottle art looks like it's come off of uh, scroll work or parchment. Like it looks really nice.
2: Which, which fits with this idea of, you know, like the heavy seas. If you're wanting this this pirate-ish theme, you can do that, but, you know, do it a little more subtle, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, my, my only real thought to this, is agreeing with you completely on the logo thing, though, I cannot get past that he looks like some odd combination of the 90s version of Billy Crystal or John Lovitz
2: more john levitt's yeah john i was Levitz trying to decide billy... I, was
0: going, I was like looking at pictures of both of them and i'm just like john Levitt
2: if he had billy crystal's hair in the 90s <laughs> yeah, that's what he is.
4: Does. Uh, <laughs> i think a touch of
1: bob ross in there really oh
3: the
2: hair
1: yeah well
2: yeah see yeah. i was thinking
1: he's got a little jonah hill in there as well
2: well no yeah, i mean bob, that's, bob ross for the choice in clothes but jonah hill is basically
0: it's basically john levitt's hair
2: John Lovitz and, and Billy Crystal.
1: Yes, yeah. their love child.
2: Yeah, no, they Put you, on a lot of extra. <laughs> that's not fair. I'm I'm looking up like nice. a good if 80s picture of Jonah Hill.
0: No, and he's lost a lot of weight too. Uh, look up a good 80s picture of John Lovitz and put him next to this guy. It's nuts.
2: Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I do think this could be a good thing though for Heavy Seas getting back to, you know, not making fun of their logo or or him. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, like, because he, there's great beer work coming in. He did good work for Schlafly, Um, and while you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he was in charge of like, you know, brewing decisions necessarily, but he can help the 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 business grow. So that
1: you know. Oh yeah, and it it seems like with their availability, they really just need something to make them pop. They're doing good beer, they have the distribution. It's just something like you don't get the word of mouth over their beers. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a tragedy because I've had nothing but fantastic beers from them.
2: Right. Yeah, Yeah. so hopefully this gets it into into more people's hands, because every time, like, the first few times I heard of them, I kept going, what the heck is a heavy seas? Yeah. I want people to like to actually go, no, let's let's try this.
4: Yeah, because if you think of a pirate-themed
0: beer, you're going to think of Ballast Point.
4: It wasn't even until probably we got the 21-year storm
1: that I really started looking into them. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was when I, that was their 20th anniversary beer. Yep. and yeah. that's it took that long for even us to take notice so I mean they've locally done they've made a big success in their home market in, but in
2: their def- in their defense a large portion of those twenty years we weren't allowed to drink
1: that's <laughs> very true okay uh let's go ahead and stumble into this last story here uh stone brewing creates beer with recycled water so <laughs> uh, recycled how <laughs> stone brewing is breaking new ground by becoming the first to try making beer using water that quotes comes from the toilet
2: okay someone has watched idiocracy yeah. many times and they yeah. made this thing
1: like from the toilet
2: water like from the
1: toilet i've read that and that was all that came to mind i was like <laughs> no nah, we've got to do this
2: this <laughs> their new water be filled with
4: electrolytes <laughs> It's what, drugs <laughs> it's what drunks it's crave it's what drunks crave <laughs> it's not wrong it's not wrong
1: on thursday at the stone brewing location at liberty station uh san diego mayor kevin falconer was among the first to drink the full circle pale ale i believe that name might already be copywritten by new holland they have a oh, yeah. full circle pale ale <laughs> They? Okay. Yeah, uh, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, mm. Stone Brewing Senior Manager of Brewing and Innovation Steve Gonzalez created the beer that uses recycled water, and it ended up being one of his favorites. He was skeptical at first to brew it with recycled water from the Pure Water San Diego program. Now Gonzalez said, among the pale ales that I've made, it's probably in the top three. After taking a drink, uh, Falconer called the beer delicious. Gonzalez said those who drink the beer will get some caramel notes, some tropical fruit notes. It's a very clean-tasting beer. I,
2: Okay, well, one, you have to specify it's clean-tasting because <laughs> they're recycling the water. But again, I'm unclear about what this recycled water thing is.
1: Okay, it's... Um...
2: I don't live in San Diego. I don't know what they're talking about.
1: This article doesn't go into it completely. Um, it is from a sewage treatment plant. Okay. So this is sewage that has been, I guess, extensively filtered. And... Wonderworld style. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It went over plants. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, some of the... It was amen- here
2: gives, this beer gives you gills so you can... <laughs> You can make a disappointing movie.
1: They're talking about the event uh, in which they offered it up. Some of the event had reservations before trying it, but beer taster Shane Trussell said, uh, I thought that it would have had an off taste or be something different. It's outstanding. Uh, Other drinkers said they love it. For those who may be on the fence about giving the full circle pale ale a sip, Gonzalez said, try it first. I suppose you won't be disappointed. Uh, Full Circle Pale Ale is not yet for sale, but Stone Brewing is hoping to make it available soon. The Pure Water San Diego program will eventually clean enough wastewater to provide one-third of San Diego's water supply. So there was another That's article nice. about this I was reading, and they actually say that this water, since it's so extensively purified, is actually cleaner than the water they currently use to brew any of their other beer. Absolutely. I, I would this, this doubt is, that one bit.
2: Yeah, this is this is where my brain is trying to get its head around would I drink it? Yeah. And it. it's 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 me running through the thing, because you know, remember, I won't drink the beer that people spit in. Right, right. So uh, I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay. So it came from sewage, but it's been filtered. But it has been filtered enough. They say yes, but they would want to say yes, hmm. because otherwise I wouldn't drink it. So... Like it, it there's a certain amount of of my own neuroses in play here and I'm just trying to figure out would I do that and so, I want to say yes but I'm also a crazy person
4: <laughs> there is um there, they actually do have to go through regulatory uh, processes to make sure that it is clean enough for them to basically put give it back to you to drink um, so there are there are checks and balances for this system I knew that they had been doing this for a long time a lot of time they would a lot of times they would process it, and then they would put it back out directly into a, a reservoir. they put it over into a, – a, you know, basically it would filter into the land, uh, into a river system or something. Um, but now that this system has been been tested, they're allowed to actually hand it straight from the, that processing to an individual. I still was don't it, know if it, it's – Was it kid-tested and mother-approved? Yeah, mother-approved <laughs> kicks. Um, I still don't know if they've allowed it – this may be still in the planning stages, um, because I know they've gotten to like 2018 to, of approvals still to get for this system to make it be like, okay, yeah, you can brew beer with it, but maybe you can't just take it off the tap and, and go and drink without going through the brewing process.
1: Yeah, that's uh, there's no indication as to when this beer is going to be readily available. I yeah. think it was just like a test batch that they had at this event. So it yep. could be a number of years before we actually see sixers of this sitting on the shelf. Yeah,
4: and it'll probably be it'll probably be a gimmicky type thing um, for the first little bit, uh, you know, and then it'll get to the point where th- there are breweries I think that are looking at to do their entire brew process with recycled water.
2: I mean, yeah. that just seems easier for them.
1: But Stone yeah. do a gimmicky beer never. They're definitely say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about some things in Untapped.
3: Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son!
1: A lot of people getting riggedy, (laughs) riggedy, wrecked. Things or thing. (laughs) Thing, yes. Uh, Actually, there are no new badges not pertaining to the holiday we just celebrated, so they're all pretty much defunct now and you can't get them. So, Or we've already talked about them. But there is another thing going on that I felt really bad that we weren't ahead of it, but I completely forgot. Uh, Untapped Brewery Madness. We covered it briefly last year, and it's back again. Uh, Beer companion to that other bracket. So what this does is, using Untapped check-ins, they uh, matched up breweries that are roughly on the same level. Uh, Some of them really aren't. Some of them uh, are just yeah, downright like, unfair.
2: Some of the well, it, they do it like they do the the brackets for the uh, you know for the the, the sweet uh, for the the NCAA you know in your yep. Sweet Sixteens and your Elite Eights. So you know you have your number one breweries in a region matched up with the number sixteenth. So New Belgium went against uh, Spolnitz. So you can bet who won that round.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're okay. So. so-
2: yeah, Small tool, Sorry, yeah, I have no idea how to say that. I so just at it. I was like, also oh, on man. your
1: round one, which is March sixteenth to seventeenth, check-ins. So what this does is it puts them together, and check-ins during this time period are the score. So check-ins on untapped become the score. What and not and not
4: scores. So uh, you know a five star doesn't give you more check-ins than a four star. No,
2: just just, just check-ins.
4: Pure yeah. check-ins. So, so if which- you put in. You know, whatever. It, with this, it's however many times somebody drinks that
1: beer, which I just, think is a little unfair. But
4: yeah, just because, imagine
2: if basketball games had scores like these check-ins.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, round one takes place March sixteenth to seventeenth. So, what 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 holiday falls in this time period? Which which brewery might have a uh, unfair advantage because Are you of saying a holiday? That number
2: three ranked Guinness. Uh, going against number 14-ranked Green Flash was going to have an unfair advantage in that in that setup.
1: Yeah, out of the entire round, they did double what the next highest did. No one else came close because of St. Patrick's Day. Geez, <laughs> who could have yeah. seen? Green Flash <laughs> stood no chance
4: there. <laughs> Boston Beer Company, so Sam Adams came in with about half of the number
1: of check-ins that Guinness did. Yeah, Guinness uh, came in with 4,502 check-ins.
2: New Belgium, Belgium, Stone, all the other like uh, top-ranked ones that that won are about half-ish of what Guinness was.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you go through these, it's kind of, I want to say unfair, but I mean, I get it, because you have a lot of breweries who have the distribution platform to get mass check-ins versus people who don't.
2: Is it really any more or less fair than the actual NCAA yeah. where winning teams have better programs to recruit better players? And so you know, the, the little underdog isn't going to win. They're going to get destroyed.
1: <laughs> the parallels are very... Like, I didn't even consider some of these parallels. It's great. But you have, like, three Floyds going against the Alchemist. Who has the bigger distribution platform? Three Floyds. Who has the most notoriety? The Alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. But three Floyds did what? More than double what the Alchemist did.
0: I just. This isn't even sports this time, and I'm still not interested in brackets. (laughs) Like, I just. I'm just like, anyway, I don't care. I just want to drink something.
1: Don't worry. We're on round two right now. This is so if you want to support, well, by the time this actually makes it out, we'll be going into quarterfinals. Yeah. But round two, uh, New Belgium is going up against Great Lakes, so that's happening 18th and 19th. So that, yeah, by while we're recording, this is kind of wrapping up. New Belgium's
2: going to take that one. There's there's no way they they yeah. lose to Great Lakes in that setup.
0: I think just based on yeah. uh, availability, right?
3: Yeah,
4: I, I think I mean. we can. I think we can go ahead and make some assumptions actually on who's going to be in the March. The March sections there, um, the thirty, the twenty fifth, or twenty sixth, and the thirty first of the first. I figure it's probably going to be Stone and New Belgium. Yep, it'll be most likely Firestone. I think. Well, and we could victory. victory. We,
2: yeah, we could check in because our next uh, audio episode records just before the uh, championship round.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll we'll check yeah. back in then. Uh, yeah, going in this list, I think we'll see next matchup be. Dogfish, Dogfish. and Guinness. And maybe Guinness
4: again. Guinness got that huge shoot out the, the, the gate, but um, they're going up against Evil Twin right now. So I think after you get through this big Guinness, nobody's going to want to check into Guinness for a few more months. So yeah. Evil Twin may actually get it. Yeah, Guinness that's the one I think they may in. have an
2: edge where just everyone's just Guinness to out. But yeah. all the number three ranked ones do do typically have a, a higher number than what evil Twin uh, higher number of yep. check ins than what evil twin had. You don't so think fa- yep. founders that's one that to- could theoretically go either way. Yeah.
4: yeah if you say that the pre St. Patrick's Day Guinness baseline will stay the same, Guinness should win it. If oh, no. people don't drink Guinness after St. Pat's Day, um, or they've got extra left over in the fridge. Um, oh yeah. And
2: you've also got uh, uh, what was one of them I was looking at uh, like founders is gonna take wicked weed just yeah. again. Oh, just and based on distribution.
1: distribution. And probably go up against Sierra Nevada. Well, and I was going to yeah. say because
0: of KBS day, but then that's not until the 1st and this is, you know, what this is going to be finished before then.
1: If Founders goes to the championship, uh KBS National Release will push them to be the champion. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. It finishes on the 3rd.
1: April 2nd to <laughs> 3rd if they make it to there, it'll they could because you had the Michigan release which has bumped check-ins. Like if you jump over and look at uh Global Top Beers right now, uh, KBS is one, two, three, four, five, six.
2: Casey, did you see the round two matchup down at the bottom? We've got Cigar City versus Bell's brewery.
1: Yeah, you know who I'll be rooting for, but I know who will win. Right. Yeah, that yeah. was you know know who's gonna win.
0: Well you just can't get the Cigar City stuff any- you know? That's
1: yeah, that's the biggest problem. And Bell's also. just announced uh, distribution into Mexico. Hmm. So they are now shooting south of the border with their beers. So with
2: L check-ins. <laughs> chickens
1: <laughs> we'll probably see ballast point going up against
4: brew dog we'll probably see it's going to be a toss-up between deschutes and three floyds and it's going to be a toss-up between anheuser bush and oscar blues I think yeah
1: oscar blues being like the biggest one of the biggest craft brands out there well so oscar actually, blues
4: is not, not craft, right? well not craft anymore so oscar yeah. blues got bought out didn't
1: they get bought out by ab and bev or am i no. wrong on that uh miller Coors, i no, no, not sure miller- but there Google. is internet i think they went them. to uh yeah if someone else wants to crack that but i think they actually um i, I think it's like an equity firm because oscar yeah. blues has turned around and they now own i think half of cigar city
4: that maybe that was it they bought cigar city that was what it was was possibly they also uh, i did not know this they own pear and brewing company which is right here
2: majority stake of oscar blues sold to fireman capital partners uh, as of may 22nd
4: 2015
2: from a forum article on beer advocate so take all of that with as many grains of salt as needed
1: no i think i think that's probably but they
2: did also buy uh Cigar cigar city
1: Yeah, but it was Oscar Blues who bought Cigar City. Yeah. Yeah,
3: wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Which is, I mean, I'm fine with seeing things like this happen, like these craft brands kind of coming together in such a way. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll help them. Because if you're looking at the check-ins, AB InBev, Anheuser-Busch has a big boost with St. Patrick's Day as well, because, like, the dyed green beer is usually, like, Bud Light or something.
2: It's something, yeah, that's easy to
1: so and their check-ins not even bud light it's not even bud light it's It's like
2: usually it's like natty or something natty
1: the cheapest beer you can get yeah so oscar blues was leading on the saint patrick's day round so i mean they have a strong chance to take out the big dog there Mm -hmm. um i think it'll be interesting to see rogue and sierra nevada but i believe sierra nevada gonna be able to just for distribution take them
2: now, some of the, the closer ones, like say, uh, three Floyds and shoots or uh, and the letters, um, <laughs> Victory and Tro, uh, Dregs. I don't know how to say it. I that. never know how to say, say it. I love
1: their it. beer. I, I'm, I never know how to say it. Though. <laughs> and like
2: Firestone and Trillium, those could be some, some close matchups,
1: but mm-hmm. you know,
2: Avery versus Boston Beer. No, Avery's
1: getting decimated. I, <laughs> I was mean...
0: surprised Avery was on there.
1: No, I think that's appropriate. Avery's no, got some Avery, distribution.
4: Yeah, Avery,
2: Avery being about said like, there's one beer of theirs I didn't super care for, but the rest of their stuff I'm all you know, I've I've actually enjoyed most of it. So
0: I had to look up hmm. Trillium. I've never heard of this before.
2: Oh yeah, Trillium
0: in, in two locations in Massachusetts. Yeah,
1: they're oh, huge. Yeah. Huh. I kept
2: Trillium, thinking uh, I kept seeing that name and expecting Zafwey People Brocks to be nearby. Yeah.
4: No, um, yeah, they've got some really good like I think their white beer is is a really pretty widely distributed beer um i think i had them a couple times in pennsylvania
0: Hmm. well yeah okay so their distribution must be just along the northeast
2: yeah um i don't know how much any of our listeners would be able to to affect the outcome of this but if you want to feel like you're contributing
1: yeah oh yeah you you can you can contribute to this because Um, it's chickens we'll
0: we'll post this link obviously in the show notes so that you guys can check out the brackets for yourselves kind of look around a bit
2: Next year we're going to do our best to 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 see if we can find like an early version of the brackets so we can uh try to make our own guesses. But I mean, this seems like a very easily done by the numbers kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not that difficult, but I like it and hopefully next year I'll get ahead of it oh. <laughs> and it won't, we won't we won't be so late getting to talk about it. All right. All right. So, Ooh. I believe we actually have a topic to get into.
2: The devil you say. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That drunk.
2: You don't know me episode, you don't know my life
1: I mean, last night we were
0: mm, Yeah, it wouldn't have been appropriate then um, Alright, uh, so yes, today we are talking about not beer, but uh, a spirit uh, Specifically <laughs> Yes, yeah, we, we should have something like that playing every time um, one of the spirit episodes. Uh, so gin. Uh, gin is a spirit. It derives from uh, its predominant flavor from juniper berries.
2: So I came really close to going, what happened to Jim? Oh, Jen. gin. Gin <laughs> is a spirit.
0: Uh Gin is one of the broadest categories of spirits, represented by products of various origins, styles, and flavor profiles. All revolve around juniper as a common ingredient. Um So, there's a bunch of different styles, um, but apparently the European Union differentiate uh, f- into four categories for gin. Juniper-flavored spirit drinks, which is like the most generic-sounding term that they probably could have come up with.
2: These aren't spirit drinks. <laughs> These are spirit drinks. <laughs>
3: no. oh.
0: uh, um mm. Okay, so this one includes the earliest class of gin which is produced by pot distilling a fermented grain mash to moderate strength, which is about 68% ABV, uh, and then redistilling <laughs> it. Yeah, redistilling it with botanicals to extract the aroma comp- or aromatic compounds. Uh, it must be bottled at a minimum of 30% alcohol by volume. Juniper flavored spirit drinks may also be sold under the names Good Lord. Uh Wacholder and Ginebra, Ginebra, Ginebra. Ginebra. Okay. And then there's also, uh, just gin, um, which is a juniper flavor, juniper flavored spirit, uh, made not via the redistillation of botanicals, but by simply adding approved natural flavoring substances to a neutral spirit of agricultural origin, the predominant flavor (laughs) must be juniper though. No matter, (laughs) no matter what, juniper is the key here. um, Distilled gin is produced exclusively by redistilling ethanol of agricultural origin with an initial strength of 96% ABV.
2: Jesus. Yeah,
0: um, which is of water and ethanol. In stills, traditionally used for gin in the presence of juniper berries and other natural botanicals, provided that the juniper taste is predominant. Gin obtained simply by adding uh, essences or flavorings to ethanol of agricultural origin is not distilled gin. I love the agricultural origin, like as opposed yeah. to, like, I, I don't know. Um, as opposed
4: to, uh, from can you space. get can you get petroleum based alcohols? Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that yeah, that would be the other way to go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, not... I'm gonna go up to space. I'm gonna we'll start mining asteroids for yeah. for
0: non-agricultural alcohol and origin. then
2: bring it down. It'll be extraterrestrial origin. Nice, agricultural
0: just to have it in there. Origin. Um, okay, so finally then there's a London gin, uh, obtained exclusively from ethanol of agricultural origin, with a maximum methanol content of 5 grams per hectro- hectoliter, hectoliter geez, of 100% ABV equivalent, or about 50 per- 50% proof, um, whose flavor is introduced exclusively through the redistillation in traditional stills of ethanol in the presence of all the natural plant materials used. The resultant distillate of which is at least 70% ABV. London gin may not contain added sweetening, exceeding 0.1 grams of sugar per liter of the final product, nor colorants, nor any added ingredients other than water. The term London gin may be supplemented by the term dry. In the EU, uh, the minimum bottled alcoholic strength for gin, distilled gin, and London gin is 37.5% alcohol by volume. So uh, in the U.S., Gin is defined as an alcoholic beverage of no less than 40% ABV or 80 proof that possesses the characteristic flavor of juniper berries. Gin produced only through distillation or redistillation of aromatics with an alcoholic wash can be further distinguished and marketed as gin or distilled gin.
4: So it sounds like this right here, we want most likely the the best gins out there and probably the most expensive gins are going to be London gins or London dry gins. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems. It would be like uh, 100% agave tequilas gotcha. versus something else. That makes sense. Versus Jose Cuervo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Basically. Jose
0: Cuervo! Um...
4: Oh, I wonder if... Going back to the agricultural ethanol of agricultural origin, I wonder if you did pure sugar and use that to make the alcohol instead of like a grain mm. if that oh. would count as because you
2: said pure sugar like wouldn't you get sugar from sugarcane right your farm but, right
4: but that would be uh if you use the sugarcane that would be an agricultural product but pure sugar refined sugar i don't know like that i, I want to look into that yeah.
1: yeah let's get into some tricky things
2: yeah. um, it's a lot of legalese in there for gin yeah i know yeah
0: uh, but, so to finish that area off uh, some legal classifications define gin as only originating from specific geographical areas um, without any further restrictions so like it says plymouth gin um corn Genever, uh, slovenska Bravokia or borovica uh, kraski brinyvec uh, and, and so on. <laughs> uh, while well, other well. common, de- <laughs> while other common descriptors refer to classic styles that are culturally recognized but not legally defined.
1: Well done. Well done. <laughs> well done indeed.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Since I got some of the words now.
1: <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> All right. Let's get into uh, some production methods. So. Several different techniques for the production of gin have evolved since its early origins, uh, this evolution being reflective of ongoing modernization in distillation and flavoring techniques. As a result of this evolution, gins can be broadly differentiated into three basic styles.
2: Whether they taste like pine cones, (laughs) pine needles, or pine (laughs) saw.
0: Or straight pine tree.
1: Yes, (laughs) exactly. Uh, No, the first is pot distilled. Uh, Pot distilled gin represents the earliest style of gin and is traditionally produced by pot distilling. Who would have thought? (gasps) A a fermented grain mash, uh, malt wine, from barley and or other grains, then redistilling it with flavoring botanicals to extract the aromatic compounds. The fermentation of grain... Uh, mash produces a neutral alcohol similar to vodka. That is, I wish pre-
2: I had, I wish I had introduced uh, the phrase, introduced like the word of the day from uh, like
1: Pee Wee's Playhouse for <laughs> oh, <laboring yeah>. botanicals.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, um, yeah. The fermentation of grain mash produces a neutral alcohol that is predominantly tasteless, except for the iconic ethyl alcohol taste. Uh, A double gin can be produced by redistilling the first gin again with more botanicals. Due to the use of pot stills, the alcohol content of the distillate is relatively low, around 68%. Um, For a single distilled gin, or 76% ABV for a double gin, this type of gin is often aged in tanks or wooden casks and retains a heavier malty flavor, that gives it a marked resemblance to whiskey. Ooh. Hmm. Huh. Uh, it's so weird to think of like a, a, a whiskey-like gin. Yeah, really. Uh, corn winge, a uh, grain wine, and uh, ode style or old style of Geneva gin or Holland gin uh, represent the most prominent gins of this class. Our next one's going to be Column Distilled. Column distilled gin evolved following the invention of uh, the coffee still. I believe that's how you say it.
2: <laughs> I mean, we you distilling coffee now?
1: Um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, it is produced by first distilling high proof uh, 96% ABV neutral spirits from a fermented mash or wash using a refluxing still, such as a column still. The fermentable base for this spirit may be derived from grain, sugar beets, grapes, potatoes, sugar cane, plain sugar, there you go, sugar cane or plain sugar,
3: Mm.
1: or Mm. any other material of agricultural origin. So they do consider plain sugar of agricultural origin. So then we need to look and see if if you can get alcohol out of petroleum then. (laughs) Plastic sugar. Oh God, no way that could be good. Oh, uh, the, the highly concentrated spirits then redistilled with juniper berries and other botanicals in a pot still. Uh, most often botanicals are suspended in a gin basket positioned within the head of the still, which allows the hot alcoholic vapors to extract flavoring components from the botanical charge. Okay,
4: so it's like a steamer basket that it's not like boiling down in the bottom. it's actually like in the head at the top of the uh still, and the vapors are just passing by and picking up the extra flavors.
2: yeah, all I'm wondering now is if if this is the kind of uh if this is the still the uh style of still they used and mash to make <laughs> to make their gin.
1: I believe theirs is probably more along the lines of the still they were using in um, Steve McQueen movie where they're prisoners of war. Oh yeah, oh the Great Escape. Yes, Great Escape. When for Fourth of July they make a ton of uh, moonshine.
2: I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I really want to know, like, if someone has like broken down fictional, you know, still setups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's got to be a video series. Work. Of
1: that. Sounds like uh, something you could do. Alright, this method yields a gin lighter in flavor than the old pot still method and results in either distilled gin or London dry gin, depending largely upon how the spirit is finished. Uh, We'll get in our last one here. Compound gin is made by simply flavoring neutral spirits with the essence of other natural flavorings without re-distillation and is not as highly regarded as distilled gin popular botanicals or flavoring agents for gin besides the required juniper often include citrus elements such as lemon and bitter orange peel as well as a combination of other spices which may include any of uh, anise anise, angelica root and seed uh, orris root licorice root cinnamon almond god there's a yeah. lot of these lime peel grapefruit peel dragon eye saffron like you can do a lot <laughs>
4: Frankincense, myrrh.
1: You just want to... Grains of Paradise, we see those a
4: lot.
0: Yeah. Um, nutmeg. Also, the anise is either anise or anise. I've heard it both ways. I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, The different combinations... (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) The different combinations and concentrations of these botanicals in the distillation process cause the variations in taste among gin products. Uh, chemical research has begun to identify the various chemicals that are extracted in the distillation process and contribute to gin's flavoring. For example, uh, juniper. Uh, let's see, it's my turn. Monoterpenes. Monoterpenes, sure. Come from juniper berries. Uh, citric flavors come from chemicals ooh, such as limonene and gamma terpen terpenine. Lionel, uh, sure. man, <laughs> uh, spice-like flavors come from chemicals such as yeah, these weird three delta three Sreading, carine delta three carine, carine. delta three caridine <laughs> <laughs> sure and parasymine. So no could, these just get the science. And I think words one of it. those.
2: I think one of those was uh was the guy who played in the TV show Kung Fu. Yeah, sure. yeah,
4: and so caridine. Yeah. Here's here's the so... thing about this. And, and here goes my rant. Um, sure, you, okay. can, you can have your cup of coffee and come back in five minutes. Ranting. But, back with some ice. The chemical research on this, this isn't just for, you know it's not just for, oh, we just want to learn. It's so that let's figure out a way that we can make this more artificially flavored
1: than it is already. It's let's find a way to do this cheaper. Yeah. Or yeah.
2: this recipe is distinct and therefore it is ours and no one else can use it.
0: it could. That could
1: be If that's way. the case
4: then, you know, I'm okay with, with having a distinct recipe that you kind of want to protect, but um, I, I have a feeling like this is not... That, yeah, that's not the case. This is not this.
2: Alright. Well, we have a little bit about the history of of gin. Uh, the Dutch physician Franciscus Silvas is often falsely credited as the inventor of gin in the mid-17th century, although the existence of green ever confirmed Philip Massinger... Uh, Massinger's play, the Duke of Milan, uh, 1623, when Silvus would have been about nine years old. So, probably not then. (laughs) So, probably not,
3: yeah.
2: Or an enterprising nine-year-old. We don't know. Uh, (laughs) It's further claimed that uh, English soldiers who provided support in Antwerp against the Spanish in 1858 during the 80s years, 80 years war.
4: 1585.
2: 1585. I'm sorry. I... Well, I've, been I've been drinking something been a little bit stronger than normal. And so, yeah, um, we we're uh, sorry. During the 80 years, 80 years war, uh, we're already drinking Jennifer for its calming effect before battle.
4: Get you drunk. <laughs> It'll get you drunk. Uh,
2: <laughs> for which the term Dutch courage is believed to originate. <laughs> I've never heard the term Dutch
4: courage. Really? I would be surprised if it, it had lasted four hundred years. Uh,
2: <laughs> not Dutch courage. No, that's like, I haven't heard. Like, I've heard liquid courage. Yeah, you know, Irish courage. Maybe if you're drinking whiskey. But all right, whatever. Uh, the earliest known written reference to Jennifer appears in nineteen. Uh, the, sorry, the thirteenth century encyclopedic work, Der Naturalen Bloem Burgess. Uh, it was the earliest printed recipe for. Jennifer uh dating from the sixteenth century work from Ein distiller book Sure, yeah. Uh from, oh. in an antwerp. Okay.
4: I don't know what Kostilic means, but book sounds like Distiller's from, book.
2: Yeah. Uh let's see. And then there's Hogarth's Gin Lane created in uh, 1750 to 51. Uh yeah, I don't let's know how see. much of the, that's important. Hmm? <laughs>
0: I don't know how much of that's important. I just kind of yeah.
2: Uh... Uh, but let's see. There's a by the mid 17th century, a number uh, the numerous small Dutch and Flemish distillers, some 400 in Amsterdam alone by 1663, uh, had popularized the re-distillation re- of malt spirit or malt wine with juniper, anise.
0: We're going with anise right? or, or anise. It could go either way.
2: Okay. Caraway, coriander, etc which were sold in pharmacies and used to treat such uh medicinal problems such as kidney ailments, uh lumbago, stomach ailments, gallstones, and gout.
4: Why not? Obviously. Sure. Also uh, a
2: good bleeding with leeches to cast the devil out of you.
4: Heads <laughs> up on this one, just just for future knowledge, alcohol is one of the components that breaks down to increase gout flares.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, like I feel like it's the worst <laughs> thing you could do. Yeah. Yes gin uh, emerged in uh, England in varying forms as early as the 17th century and at the time of the restoration enjoyed a brief resurgence when William of Orange, ruler of the Dutch Republic, occupied the British throne with his wife, Mary, in uh, what has become known as the Glorious Revolution, gin became vastly more popular, particularly in uh, particularly in crude, inferior forms, where it's more likely to be flavored with turpentine as an alternative to juniper, <laughs> yeah, that sounds yep sounds lovely, that
0: sounds awesome, yeah.
2: Mm-mm. Uh, gin drinking in England uh, rose significantly after the uh, after the government allowed unlicensed liquor uh, gin production. At the same time, it imposed a heavy duty on all imported spirits. Uh, This created a market uh, for poor quality grain that would be known uh, as unfit for uh, brewing beer. Uh, And thousands of gin shops sprang up throughout England, a period known as the gin craze. (laughs) Sounds more like a 1920s thing than it does. uh, Yeah. uh, uh, Let's see. Because of the relative price of gin uh, when compared with other drinks available at the same time, and, the same ge- geographic location, gin became uh, began to become uh, be consumed regularly by the poor. Of the fifteen thousand drinking establishments in London, that is a lot, uh, yeah. not including coffee shops and drinking chocolate shops. Uh, over half were gin shops.
3: Uh,
2: beer maintained a healthy reputation as it was safer to drink than the brewed ale. Uh, safer to drink the brewed ale than the unclean water. Uh, Gin, though, was blamed for various social problems and may have been a factor in the higher death rates, which uh, stabilized London's previously growing population.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Gin, helping stave off starvation for years.
2: Gin, here's to you, all all you Malthusian economists. (laughs) Uh, The reputation of the two drinks was illustrated by William Hogarth uh, in his engravings Beer Street and Gin Lane. Uh, uh, described by the BBC as arguably the most potent anti-drug posters ever conceived.
3: Hmm.
2: Uh, the negative reputation of Jill, gin survives today as the English lang- in the English language in terms like gin mills uh, or the American phrase gin joints to describe disreputable bars or gin soaks to refer to drunks. Yeah. I uh, mean... The epitaph mother's ruin is a common British name for gin, Uh, This origin of which is a subject to ongoing debate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I bet it would be.
1: (laughs) A little bit. Uh,
2: The Gin Act of 1736 imposed high tax on retailers and led to riots in the streets. Uh, The prohibitive duty was gradually reduced and finally abolished in 1742. The Gin Act of 1751 was more successful. However, it forced distillers to sell only to licensed retailers and bought gin shops under the jurisdiction of local magistrates. Uh, and gin of the 18th century was produced in pot stills and was somewhat sweeter than the London gin known today.
1: So I'm feeling like we should do an episode based on uh, riots or uprisings <laughs> that were caused <laughs> by alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: We get we get taught about the tea party we don't get taught about uh, all these gin riots in in college and high well maybe in college not in high school though
1: yeah I think that would be a fascinating episode to do just like concentrate all of these events to be like no gen alcohol riots. has fueled many many a social change
2: gin riots whiskey rebellions mm-hmm. rampant crime <laughs>
1: <clears throat> tea parties I Baldi mean... hatchet.
4: <laughs> So in London, in the early 18th century, much gin was distilled legally in residential houses. There Sorry, were It just
2: kind of sounds like someone there going, I have much gin for you. <laughs>
4: Here at the market, much gin. Much gin. Uh, they were estimated to be about 1,500 residential stills in 1726. And was offered flavored with turpentine to generate resinous woody notes in addition to the juniper. As late as 1913, Webster's dictionary states without further comment, common gin is usually flavored with turpentine. (laughs) (laughs) Another common variation was to distill in the presence of sulfuric acid. Although the acid itself does not distill. Well, didn't, they didn't put
2: any of it in there. They just put it in the room and said, look, acid, you, you watch this gin distill. <laughs>
4: yeah. uh, it does, however, impart additional aroma of diethyl ether. Yeah, diethyl ether to the resulting gin. Sulfuric acid subtracts one water molecule from the two ethanol molecules and creates a diethyl ether. Ether, which also forms an azotrope with ethanol and therefore distills with it. The sweeter or the result is a sweeter spirit that may have possessed additional analgesic or even intoxicating effects. Hmm. Dutch or Belgian gin, also known as Genever, spelled with a J or a G, evolved from malt wine spirits and is distinctly different from the drink that of later style gins uh Skydom, a city in the province of south holland is the fame is famous for its geneva producing history the old style of geneva remained very popular throughout the 19th century where it was referred to as holland or geneva gin in popular american pre-prohibition bartender guides uh, we do still have a lot of uh Holland gins. and yeah, I was and
2: going to say, like, Holland gin is still a thing. Oh, yeah. Geneva
4: gins here, yeah. Um, probably most most likely because it's it's in those pre-prohibition guides. Mm-hmm. Um, the 19th century gave rise to a style of gin referred to as Old Tom gin, which is a softer, sweeter style of gin, often containing sugar. Old Tom gin faded in popularity by the early 20th century, thank goodness. That is Collins right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not.
4: Uh, well, you know, whenever he he goes out and sees his uh, his brother's kids, they all just call him Uncle Tom.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, come on, jeez.
4: The invention of the development of the column still, uh, in approximately early mid 1800s, made distillation of neutral spirit practical, thus enabling the creation of the London dry style, which evolved later into the 19th century. In tropical British colonies, gin was used to mask a bitter flavor of quinine. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, it was the only effective anti-malarial compound. Uh, quinine... I need to get
2: rid of malaria. Quick, bring me the gin.
4: <laughs> yeah, bring me my malaria medication. <laughs> quinine was dissolved in carbonated water to form what even we drink now as being tonic water. The resulting cocktail is a GNT or gin and tonic. Wait, you're All... telling me
2: if I drink enough gin and tonics, I can I not get rid of malaria?
4: So I will tell you right now that quinine used to be a medication you could go to your pharmacist and get. They It was discovered by the FDA to be one of these drugs that was never actually approved through the FDA, so they took it off the market <laughs> as a drug. So now whenever somebody's got malaria or something like that, you'll actually see a doctor write a prescription for tonic water. And and you, they just basically go out and say, go go get a lot of tonic water and drink that because that's the only way to get quinine into the system for, for that because you can't get the drug now unless somebody's researched it and, and took it through FDA approval in like the last five years. I would um,
2: love but... to see a doctor just go like, you, go drink some more gin and tonics. you yeah. have liver disease. you also have malaria and one of those is more important. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you, you, can, you can probably leave out the gin and just go with the quinine, but,
2: but you know, it's very simple. Have you simple. tried drinking straight tonic water? It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you're like, There's gin. no fun in that.
4: Uh, now, gin is a common base spirit for many mix, mixed drinks. I really don't know why. Including the martini, secretly produced bathtub gin was available in the speakeasy Blind Pigs of Prohibition-era America as a result of relative, simple production.
2: Blind Pigs being another type of thing that's not a speakeasy. Yep. Uh, yeah. Basically, what you would get with bathtub gin would not necessarily be gin. <laughs> it would just be liquor, but it was a lot easier just to call it gin and pretend because you made it in your bathtub. Mm.
4: Yes. And it was easy, I'm sure, to. Gin has a lot of flavoring. Com- just pour some
2: turpentine in there and.
4: Yeah, it can kind of cover up some of the mistakes that you make. Um, now, slow gin is traditionally described as a liquor made from infusing slows. Well, that's just not right. Um, <laughs> the fruit of the blackthorn in gin. Although modern versions almost always are compounded from neutral spirits and flavorings. Uh, not from actual gin. Similar infru- infusions are possible with other fruits such as damsons and beach plums. Hmm. The National Genever Museums are located in Hasselt, Belgium, and Skydom in the the, Net- uh, the Netherlands. Since two thousand and nine, the second Saturday in June has been designated as World Gin Day. I,
0: know See, that. I
2: always thought slow gin was called that just because it it poured slower when I.
4: Needed- <laughs> I, re- I always liked the slow gin fizz. That was my. You know, really fruit-fruit go-to drink.
2: Speaking of fruit fruit drinks, (laughs) Uh, there are some... You do make a lot of cocktails with gin. Uh,
1: But I believe there was one during pre-show where a discussion came out that it is not a cocktail that involves gin. It's a a matter of how you want to define what a
2: cocktail is. (laughs) If you're looking in the menu at a restaurant, it's going to call it a cocktail. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, However, uh, a good rule of thumb is a cocktail is three ingredients. Two ingredients is an emergency.
3: (laughs) Um, I love that.
2: Yeah. uh, Traditionally, martinis are a gin drink, but vodka martinis have taken off more in popularity lately. Right. Gin and tonics, we mentioned that already. It's how you cure malaria. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. There's also the Negroni, which is not one I've actually ever had.
4: Oh, uh, so I like a good Negroni, but I've seen
2: how to make them. I've just never, never had one myself.
4: They are a very, very bitter drink. Um, um, the what, the the other ingredients that are in a Negroni, um, I think like one that. of them is like a a, a bitter liqueur. Mm, uh, yeah, let me pull it up.
2: Yeah, while you're looking that up, there's also the Tom Collins, which. You can make a lot of different kinds of Collins, which is kind of just like a kind of just a sweet and sour mix with a some Sprite, some sort of lime juice and Sprite kind of, you know, whatever you want to use as your your thing there for your Collins mix. Not Sprite, soda water, sorry. Huh. But uh, in the case of if you want a Tom Collins, you're getting gin. My brain somehow occasionally confuses Tom Collins with Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and so I always wondered why all these little kids are getting like trying to get hammered. And I go, oh, wait,
4: sorry have those backwards <laughs> i'm glad uh glad you're no longer bartending on the side
2: <laughs> i mean i wouldn't make like, i had to, like, he had tom collins and i go yeah all right yeah. but there, there's occasionally like a, like a half second where i go wait what why do i need you can make that that's just lemonade and tea <laughs> oh oh tom collins not a not an arnold palmer <laughs> uh, uh see there's gimlet's to drink. I know Casey has enjoyed a time or two.
4: I love uh, a good amount of lime in my drink. So a Gimlet would be, I don't know, you could throw up a recipe somewhere around like, if you want it really good and strong, two and a half ounces of gin, half ounce of lime juice and a half ounce of simple syrup um, garnished with a lime wheel in an up glass, maybe like a, a cocktail glass or a martini glass mm-hmm. or old fashioned glass.
2: Yeah, and then there's also uh, one that I saw recently, which I've not not had before but again one of those i've seen how to make and it's the uh avi uh aviation that's uh it's on a recent modern rogue episode but it is uh i'm trying to get past a page so i can remember exactly what's on the
4: i can go ahead while you're looking at uh looking at that uh, negroni yeah. the negroni was uh an ounce of gin an ounce of sweet vermouth and an ounce of Campari, which is like a—I think Campari is the grapefruit-flavored, really bitter, 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 um, huh. sweet cocktail. Yeah, mixer.
2: Um, yeah, so an Aviation—it's a uh, two ounces of gin, uh, is a maraschino liqueur, uh, a cream de violet, or uh, and lemon juice. Huh. Nice. It's one of those like it, it'll get you drunk.
3: <laughs>
4: Indeed, it will. Um, I, I do want to add one in here that I had a few weeks ago at a speakeasy style bar. And so I thought it was a really, really appropriate for this type of drink since gin is gin is a, a speakeasy drink. Uh, well,
2: gin gin was super popular during the 1920s. Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: So uh, an ounce and a half of gin, um, a quarter o- or sorry, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup three quarters of ounce of uh, fresh lemon juice. Uh, you'll probably want to shake that in a shaker and uh, then pour it into maybe like a champagne flute and top it with about an ounce of champagne the rest of the way to the top. Garnish with a lemon peel. It's your French 75. Mm.
1: Mm. French 75?
4: Delicious. Mm.
2: And then uh, one of the last ones we, we have here in the dock is uh, the, the Singapore Sling.
1: <laughs> a... I know it by reputation and name only.
2: Yeah. Um, it's it's an older drink. Uh, it's got uh, get all the ingredients pulled up. Uh, I know it's got obviously gin, uh, quarter ounce of Cointreau, uh, four ounces of pineapple juice, about half ounce of li- uh, fresh lime juice, uh, half ounce of some sort of cherry liqueur, uh, third of an ounce of grenadine, and a couple dashes of bitters, and quarter ounce of um uh, benedictine
4: i'm not that's uh, benedictine language. it's an herbal liqueur
2: it's one i've never actually had to use so i've never uh, actually
4: made it it's going to a... it's gonna be it's going to be dif- uh it's probably in most liquor stores but it's not something that you want to keep necessarily in your yeah. your cabinet mm-hmm. all the time it's made from from here it says 27 plants and spices so yeah. very herbal
2: there's a reason the singapore sling's not necessarily the as uh, as popular as it once was
4: probably going to have a hard time going up to any any bar that's not based around these types of cocktails and finding yeah phonetic places flavors. that are
2: like you know super proud of their cocktail menu
4: they they may not be able
2: to to crack out all the stuff for a singapore sling but they can probably get by All right. um Let's have a list of some of the more common brands that you'll see today of of it, and some of them are pretty obvious because you've got Tangrae, Beefeater, Bombay, and Bombay Sapphire. You can find find some that's not Sapphire, uh, Plymouth, and Hendrix are the ones we've got in the list, but there's tons of different types of gin. Uh, I always remember like the really crappy uh, well gin that we used to use uh, when I bartended. It was like a, a Ghibli's <laughs> uh, and they didn't want our top display to have at one point they decided that our top display shouldn't have good liquor in it because people could get up there and steal it so like you look up and they're like displaying Ghibli's gin and I'm like come on guys no." <laughs> oh. oh let's just let's just put empty bottles up there it'll be yeah. fine yeah and can never convince them to take the time to to just let me Keep some empty bottles so we could fill them up with something and put yeah, them up there. But
1: put some water in them and put them back up there.
2: But that that about does it for gin. Other than like you know, how do you guys usually feel about gin?
1: I'm pretty uh... unfamiliar with gin. I mean, I've had it usually in a straight up kind of fashion. I've had a few cocktails with it, but it's never the star of whatever I'm drinking.
2: Yeah. Oh, there was one cocktail I didn't mention just because it 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 the you know gin is not the main. Main focus of that one, but it is in your LITs, huh. your Long yeah. Island iced teas. See, it's and I saw that year.
0: somewhere, and I was. Like, he was like, "Well, yeah, but everything is. No, so.
2: <laughs> everything <laughs> is. <laughs>
0: it's
2: it's everything. whatever you can find in your in your liquor cabinet.
1: Pretty much. That's so like that one evening when uh, I was asked at a uh, young age to make a Long Island iced tea, and I just kind of looked behind me and just dumped everything that was in the bar <laughs> into a glass and splashed some coke on it, and said, "There you go." <laughs> And everyone's like, what is this? I was like, I don't know. We'll call it a Long Island iced
2: tea. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, gin has never been one of my favorite liquors. Uh, It it tastes like pine cones to me usually. Uh, Depending on the brand, you can find some that are maybe a little better than others. But usually it's not been a thing I've been super, super in love with. You know, I don't have the same love with it as I do with whiskey. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, as as we talked before the show i'm i'm rather ambivalent toward gin um i had i've had a gin and tonic and it was fine and then i've had um like the the local brewery here mad tree has a a Kulsh that's what aged in gin barrels yeah and that yeah.
1: is delicious that's, and
0: it has some juniper to it but it's not you know it's not crazy there's a, it's a ni- it's a nice light beer with a bit of the juniper taste it's
1: and the lift Kolsch, which if you made it out yeah. to uh, the jury in your house meetup, you probably had a lift at the insistence of Justin.
2: <laughs> really? We're going to bring that up. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a, you know. that's a really good beer. And it's, no, it is. I don't, it's uh, the Kolsch isn't, uh, the lift isn't the one that's got the juniper in it though. Uh, it's something else they have. The beer is called
1: June. June, June is the one that they actually yeah. ate. they took the they took lift and aged it in yeah. gin barrels yeah. and yeah. they put it out and, and called uh, it the, June.
2: The June is actually really good. Like I, I didn't yeah. think I would like something aged in in gin barrels like that, but it it, was quite it worked yeah, really it, well for that beer.
1: It really opened my mind up to what you can do with some of these other barrel aging things. Yeah. And now I mean the whole industry has seen that. I'm not you're not seeing a lot of like gin barrel aged beers. Uh, I think they're drifting more towards uh, tequila and rum barrels. I think the hot thing this year is going to be rum barrel aged beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's your, the biggest
4: problem, and the reason why whiskey aged beers are so easy to get, or specifically bourbon barrel aged beers. Not you can only use ads. it once? You can only use it once, and Man. then that barrel goes to a brewery, and they can use it however many times they want to. With gin, you can reuse the barrels if you even put it in the barrel at all. Some right. Some places don't even... Barrel aged their gin. Um, same thing with rum; it doesn't have to be barrel aged, um, and it, even if it is, you you can reuse it. So right. it's going to be a lot harder for some places to get rum barrels or gin barrels, and so that's that's why you won't see it ever blow up the size of bourbon barrel aging. But you may see a, a
1: peak in it. Yeah. Okay.
2: But mm, okay, I think that pretty much does it for for gin. Unless there's anything else we want to mention about it.
1: I'm good. Uh, cool. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add, so I believe that means it's time to talk about what we are drinking.
3: All right, drink with me, friend.
0: I am actually having a beer this time. I, I oh. just—I thought about doing a tea thing because I'm starting not to, to feel amazing, and I had a tea just before the show. But at some point, that's probably going to be more of a thing. Um, but this is from a, a local brewery. Uh, it's called—it's from Listerman in Cincinnati. The beer is called Brewer's Delight, so it's one of their uh, IPA Hip Hop series beers that they're releasing.
1: I said a hip. Said a hip. hop. You a a don't, don't stop. Hop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's an East Coast IPA, uh, 7.1% ABV. Uh, nowhere did I see anything about IBUs. Um, and then of course it's it's it just came out, so there's really no rate beer score yet.
1: Well, it's super local too. Like yeah, there yeah, were a yeah. 120 cases total right in the production run
0: and there has to be so many ratings on Ray beer for there to be a, a general score but um so we got the the description um from the brewer's site is it's an east coast ipa brewed with pineapple galaxy citra and Zythos hops yep um and you can taste it it I mean, i've been burping up pineapples for a good hour now
1: no i love that that <laughs> i'm fine with it it is. It tastes like straight pineapple juice in yeah. the best way possible. It, it's a nice. Mm. It looks
0: like it looks like straight pineapple juice. It's a hazy IPA, and it's it's very delightful. And it's not, but it's not a um, a very. It's not like that acidic pineapple taste that you would get sometimes, um, if you're just having like you know you can actually drink pineapple juice. Uh, it's just this nice light flavor with a pineapple tone to it. So, but um, I really mm-hmm. like it, and then you know. I'm a big fan of the Galaxy and Citra hops. Uh, it's the first time I've heard of the other one but um yeah, I I'd recommend it for anybody who has an ability to get it
2: if you have the means. Yeah. If you,
0: if you have, have the, the means. means. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, uh, I'm drinking to episode and I'm not having a beer. I'm having uh some Renals gin. Uh that's it's a it's a gin I've had in my apartment. I bought on I bought you know on a sale forever ago, uh, so it's just been just sort of chilling in my apartment. I had to blow dust off this thing I'll it <laughs> that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the usual. You know, it's forty percent IBV. You know, a AB, uh, ABV. So you know, eighty proof or whatever. But it's uh, of all the gins I've had, it's the one that I can, I can kind of you know keep drinking on. It's
4: of all the gins uh, in all the world.
1: <laughs> it
2: it had to be at least palatable to me.
1: <laughs> um
2: no, i i i don't i don't care for gin that much. It, it usually like, again, it tastes like pine cones to <laughs> me. But this one has a few other flavors going on in there, so it's not quite as uh ginny. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> gin but mix. it it's a london it's a london dry oh, gin, okay. so maybe that's also part of it too.
1: Hm. So at least your your taste in gin is very very refined. That's right. Eh. <laughs> all right well i am drinking to untapped uh i am not drinking to episode keeping with my usual theme uh as we discussed in pre-show it was like no i i drink what i want i'll drink to episode if
2: it's now, about you, whiskey you purposely avoid drinking to episode
1: yeah a lot of times Sometimes it seems like it yeah. unless it's whiskey based and then eh, i'm gonna drink some whiskey uh i'm drinking the milk stout nitro from left hand brewing uh it is a nitro milk stout six uh, percent abv you don't taste any alcohol in it like it it could be four percent is what it, because of the nitro ibus non-existent really uh rate beer score though on this one 95 out of or like 95 Ooh. overall 95 to style So you usually don't see the scores that close, but
2: unless they're really good
1: and it's, I mean, as far as nitros go, I think this one was one of the beers that kind of set the standard for a nitro stout.
0: Yeah. It's like a, a favorite for the, for anyone who's on the stout train.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. um, the the brewery's description on this one, this English style of beer, also known as a sweet stout or cream stout, first appeared in London in the late 1800s. The early brewers touted the health benefits of the milk sugar in this beer, which today relates mainly to the increased amount of calories. No real health benefits, Mm -hmm. sorry. The milk sugar adds a well-rounded sweetness to this dark beer and makes it an outstanding year-round stout. And it is. I've got to say, uh, always love it, um, one of my first beers, and probably be one of my last as well. Not this, <laughs> not, not this one right now, behind. but in the end, I'm sure. Excellent.
4: So I did not go to style, but I did go with a cocktail because I figured, why not? And you could probably replace this uh, gin in this drink with no problem whatsoever.
2: I wanted you to, because I, I, I wanted to see what that would taste like. This is the one you were no.
1: drinking yesterday, isn't it? Uh Yes. Okay, it's he sent us a, good, a yes. video of making one of these yesterday on St. Patrick's Day that yeah. was just a delightful to watch.
4: <laughs> I had uh, had had a few before I made the video, and I was like, this would be fun. So, 16-ounce um, shaker pint. You want to add about two ounces of rum, an entire lime sliced up. Uh, I do yeah. like the lime wedges, like mm. six lime wedges. Staving um, off the scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> At least two mint sprigs. I went Come probably on. a little bit further. I I just tore off the top of an entire bunch of mint. Now, did you, you did you muddle it or did you slap the mint? <laughs> no, I did not spank <laughs> the mint. Um, I just put it in a glass. I didn't have a muddler, so I used. Yes, you uh,
2: did. I got uh, you one.
4: Well, no, no, no. I I should have brought that on travel. Where I'm, I'm out of the house right now. Oh, I don't have right. any.
2: You should have. Uh, that is your. That is that is the reason you have it.
4: Yeah, it's true. It's a travel travel drink tool um so uh, you know i use like a knife to kind of chop it up and 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 squish the limes as much as possible toward the bottom but a muddler is perfect for that um you also muddle in about two ounces of simple syrup add ice on top of that um you can stir that up if you want at that point but uh, you've probably done a little bit of stirring from the uh, muddling but top it off with uh so in this part of the country, it's from Michigan, but it's a sparkling water that hasn't got anything else added to it except for a flavoring, and it's really good. It's called Lacroix. Love um, it. What's that? <laughs> Love it. I had a grapefruit one the other day. Yeah, So the moose of the grapefruit's really probably the number one flavor that goes all around. Um, they've got passion fruit, uh, coconut. Got I made a lime pina colada too. with only pineapple juice and coconut. Did uh, you
2: get caught in the rain? <laughs>
4: no, 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 no. Um, but this one you want to top it off with. You can top it off with any flavor of Lacroix, but this one specifically, it's the cucumber blackberry sparkling water from Lacroix, and it is delicious. I have to find this. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's uh, it comes in like the tall twelve ounce cans, oh. and comes in the eight packs. So check that out. It's delicious though. It's really good. Um, stir it up a little bit because you, otherwise you get like no no sweetness other than the Lacroix on top, uh, but you don't want to shake that. Cool. Yeah, you
0: could easily play, replace that with gin, honestly. Um, yeah. Especially with the cucumber. I think that would actually go really well. Yep. Oh. Lime,
4: cucumber, mint, all those flavors go really well with gin. Yeah. So. Cool. Botanical sauce. Yep. So, I guess it's, anybody else have anything else? Uh, no. No, I think that's... Okay. I
0: think we learned a lot about gin today, actually, because I didn't know half of Yeah, this. I didn't know before we
1: started <laughs> Me this. Me I was not very familiar with gin. Gin was not high on my radar, and now
4: now I'll be looking out to try some new gins. So, in the meantime, while you're out there trying to find some new gins, you can subscribe and get some other great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and please rate the show on iTunes and help spread the word.
2: Yeah, and uh, don't forget to tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Uh, use the email address at feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can also use the feedback page on the website
1: all right guys yeah all joking and fun aside like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly that's always important we will end every episode from now on with that hmm. just just throwing that out there
0: all right um so check us out in another couple of weeks for the next audio episode and again check us out sunday march 26th for the next video episode live at TV. that's going to be for the stone ipa pack once again i'm Brittany Lee walker
4: i'm justin frazier
1: i'm christopher walker And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.